Welcome to May the Podcast Be With You. I'm Stephen Mather, solicitor and your business lawyer. I help small and medium-sized business owners and directors manage their legal problems. But more than that, I like to enjoy life, smile and learn from others. So this podcast is a way to help me and you learn how to be successful, whatever that may mean. Hello, my name's Stephen May, then welcome along to May the Podcast Be With You. Today, I'm joined by Caroline, and um, do you want to introduce yourself, Caroline? It might be easier, actually. Yeah, uh, my name's Caroline Atomer. Um, I'll do a little stats. I'm 38 years old. Um, I have four children. The eldest is 13, the youngest is three. Um, I'm a student counsellor, so um, in person-centred counselling. Um, I'm about to start level four in September. Um, I suppose my background, I've had a variety, a quite a varied employment history. So um, quite a lot of self-employment um, and mixture of employment. Um, I'm currently employed at the moment. Um, that's it, really. Sounds I good. Think the rest out, I think the rest will come out in conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's what that's what we aim for. So we met. Um, I was trying to think when we first met. I it was I was working in Market Harbour, and um, and I reckon it must therefore been probably about six or seven, six six years ago, something like that. You were running yeah. um, Queen Bee events. That's right. Yeah, about I, the right think, time frame. Yeah, it was about six years ago, and I think we met at a chamber meeting. Hmm. I think that's the first time we we met the local chamber meeting, but it was at um, oh Jules Yard. Yeah, I think hmm. I think it was then, or it was at the Angel. So yeah, quite a quite a while ago, really. Quite a while ago, and I remember. Um, so uh, so for the podcast listeners, I used to have uh, used to run a law firm, and one of the offices was in uh, a town called Market Harbour. And uh, and I remember it's almost kind of you appearing out of nowhere. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like a bit of a whirlwind. You appeared out of nowhere, all of a sudden <laughs> kind of putting on these events and, and going, oh, hang on a minute, what's happening here? Like someone's making uh, a bit of noise in, in Market Harbour and putting on some events that are really cool and really good um, mm. and this, that and the other. Is that is that kind of my perception? Is that what happened or was it something that you'd been working on, planning um... on for a long time? Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. I think, um, you know, previously I'd lived in Kent um, and um, just just to I'm just going to kind of warn your listeners that I'm quite open. So, you know, I, I talk about myself quite freely. Um, but yeah, I, I lived in Kent before that um, and was very happy there. But the father of my three eldest, he died in 2015. Um by suicide and after he died I spent a year in Kent um you know that whole thing of not making big decisions whenever you're kind of in shock and grieving mm. and then um because I was in a new relationship I decided for different reasons to move up towards here um and I've always been very kind of what's the word Mm, not forward in a in a rude way but you know I kind of go into a room and, and talk to people I I look at what's around in the local area and go okay well I, I need to go out and make connections and that's very much what I did in Market Harbour which as you know is, is quite a small town mm. so once you've kind of once you've gone to a few different events 
it's quite easy to make if you if you're if you're out there and you're willing to sell yourself as it were it's yeah. quite easy to kind of make those regular connections mm. um and i just made sure that i was at as many events as possible and was you know forward and speaking to people and introducing myself and finding out about how the town worked um, yeah. and who, who was involved in what and what they did so yeah i would i think that would be probably fair to say i kind of just arrived <laughs> <laughs> um, I, w- I wasn't going to, uh, this This wasn't part of my plan, but um, I know it's a subject that which you are uh, very passionate about, racism. For, um, yeah. uh, did you, uh, it, and, and again, for the listeners that don't know Market Harborough, <laughs> um, it's probably fair to say that, um, that you stood out for a number of reasons in that town, not just because you were coming in and making conversations and driving a business forward. Um, yeah. So did you find... Uh, did you, uh, I, I, that's, that's probably a bit too, uh, opaque as a thing. It's a really white town, white kind of middle-class town, farming really town. town. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I think, um, in terms of minority, uh, population there, it's very, very limited, um, yeah. generally, isn't it? Uh, you've, you've just, you know, everyone you see is just a white person. Um, yeah. did that, did that kind of. Was that a, uh, did that kind of give you a bigger challenge to uh, to to try and go? Do you know what? Actually, I'm going. I want to really make this work here. Um, did you kind of face any of that immediately when you started uh, started in business, or was it more kind of subtle? Well, I think hmm, as a black woman, it's never subtle. But I suppose to the outsider, yes, the microaggressions, they're, they're of, always that's, there. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what I meant so, by that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the microaggressions are always there. And you have this um, inbuilt thing, whether it's instinct that's been passed down generationally or whether it's um, you've actually been actively taught it um, by your parents and grandparents where you have to work harder. So you have to prove yourself more than your counterpart um so my equal who would be the same age with <clears throat> the same number of children with the same background with the same skills but if they're white I have to mm. I have to work harder than them so that's always in the back of my mind sure. um and yes you know when you walk into a room and you're the only non-white person you instantly feel it physically mm. emotionally so um and it's something that you what that I habitually do is where I scan a room and go, are there any other black people here? (laughs) Just because it's nice to not feel alone. Mm. Um, So, so yeah, that has been a challenge. Market Arbor is a white town. Um, It wasn't as, and I think this is the same everywhere at the moment, but it wasn't as polarized in opinions or it wasn't as loudly polarized in opinions as it is now so back you know when I first came here you know the world has changed a lot hasn't it Mm, but when I first mm. came here it was you know some of the comments that I would hear openly now I wouldn't I wouldn't have said I would have heard then Mm, so it was very it was very subtle you know yeah so I, I remember um I remember attending a uh, Lib Dem hustings Liberal Democrat hustings in uh, before an election and um and one of the questions was about immigration and how many immigrants are coming over here and ruining the country and the guy was like 
I think I'm in Market Harbour. <laughs> I think I only get I only seem to get these questions in sort of very rural farming based towns where they've never really interacted no. or seen anyone that isn't no. white. No. And it's the mo most bizarre thing that those people are seem to be more scared, uh, more intimidated by um, people that aren't white than yeah. uh, than anywhere else. It's exactly, a bizarre thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a bizarre thing. So, yeah. um, so that we've we've there's there's two things there. Um, then so uh, that um, that extra level of drive that you have just because of your skin color and the way in which people treat you um and then you know you mentioned uh you know your husband um committing suicide and and, and having that all to deal with those are the types of things that shape people aren't they they are the things that shape people i'm just going to pull you up there Stephen. yeah go for it yeah that's what we're here <laughs> uh, for. no just no just because um committing suicide is not the right terminology so i'm just going to okay. say that just also for your listeners because um it it goes back to when it was a crime so um, when you say commit, it's like someone's done something wrong, whereas the terminology is more about, you know, they died from suicide or they killed themselves. Um, yeah. So I just want to put that out there for people. Yeah. That's cool. And it's not, I mean, I, I work in the mental health industry and I still have GPs and even psychiatrists that will say commit suicide. Mm. So yeah. anyway, uh, yes, no. Uh, well, I mean, huge life events do ship you. They, I mean, I know that we both have, you know, we both have chronic health conditions, but, but when I lived with um, the kid's dad, because I was in a constant state of alert um, of, you know, when is he going to kill himself? When is he going to kill himself? That was like constant waiting for it, waiting for it for years. Um, that's actually how I developed fibromyalgia. Right. So because the adrenaline was constantly going when it mm. shouldn't have been, it was constant, there was no break from it. Um, that's how my body has been physically left because it was just always living in a state of alert when it didn't need to be. Um, so that's a huge change in terms of just my physical health, mm. uh, you know, living with someone who is suicidal and quite severely mentally ill, that that's a huge change. It's impacted on my parenting. Um, it's impacted on, um, my emotional and mental health because I, you know, I get quite frustrated at, at things that I can't feel like I can't do or limitations that put on me. Right. Um, and, and even with work as well, you know, I can't, I can't just go and do, you know, work five days a week, you know, commuting every day with no break, you know, I have to be able to lie down mm -hmm. <laughs> for instance, or take a break when I need to. Yeah. So yeah, that, that type of thing has massively influenced, um, who I am um and also you know after the kid's dad died there was it was probably about a couple of years later I kept thinking to myself I feel like I need to do something with this experience and some people had suggested writing a book and I was like oh I can't bother writing a book um and then I thought to myself well I had this interest in why like how do people get to that point where they want to die? And why do some people go through with it and some people don't? And that's literally where my thinking started. Mm. And that's whenever I started having more of an interest in talking therapies, having gone through counselling myself at several times over my life, but not really understanding what it was, just going, oh, I need to go to counselling. Right. Um, and that's where then my kind of 
my decision started to happen about this is something that I want to do like mm. I want to be able to do that and maybe I can bring some of my life experiences into that sure. and support others mm. um, so yeah those events have really changed changed my life mm. and, and were, were those um was that event the uh the reason why you stopped doing I, I think you mentioned at the beginning you kind of had some self-employment and then some employment what was the the driver behind that change so um when I um so my youngest Harry um he's three when I um found out I was pregnant with him my fibromyalgia got really really bad um to the point where I was I was literally bedridden for about seven seven months um and so I couldn't work um and I had that thing what's it called the really hyper uh you know the sickness thing where literally like colors would make me feel sick okay things that i saw would make me feel sick it wouldn't yeah. even be food or smell related um so i just stopped doing anything really and then as it was approaching you know harry being born i was like i don't know do i want to go back to that because Doing events is brilliant. It's exciting. It's a little bit glamorous. You know, I did evening events, a little bit glamorous. And, you know, there's always a little bit of, you know, a glass of wine around and everyone's yeah. chatting, laughing and nice food. But I thought, do I want to do that physically to myself? And, you know, I'm going to be exhausted as a, as a new mum again anyway. So I just decided that I was going to stop working. Um, and then it was when harry was just before he was one that's when i went to college um so that was in oh, was that january was that january 2020 was it 20 yeah it was 2020 yeah yeah 2020 that's when i started my counseling learning so the driver behind it was my physical health ultimately mm. It's yeah. a it's a it's a major thing. It's obviously a, a factor in in my uh, my leaving effective employment. I was I was a partner, but effectively employed, and um, and it's uh, it, because it's it's a difficult one. You know, when you're employed and you have health issues, um, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes you just want to have a lay down. Sometimes yeah. employers don't like that. But then yeah. the the flip side of that, when you're self employed, you get all the time in the world to have a lie down. But then you're not earning any money when you lie down, exactly. and and exactly, so it's yeah. a real, a real tough one to uh, mm. to kind of get that right if you've got a um, mm. you know a long term kind of illness. It's mm. that's a difficult thing to 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 have to balance and, yeah. and and work. And and I think the the bottom line is finding something that allows you to do what you need to do. So that's yeah. it. Whether or not that's like because there are some there are some places where you can be employed uh, and they will accommodate that there's many places that wouldn't yeah, yeah. and well, um, I'm, oh sorry go on, go on no go on and, and, and that's it and that's it really it's it's trying mm-hmm. to find you know if you can if you can find somewhere where you can work a couple of days which is enough and then you know i don't know about you but you probably know that if you do a couple of days then you probably need a, a day rest after each one anyway yeah yeah hmm. well i work now so i <clears throat> i work um for a, t- a mental health charity um <clears throat> as a recovery worker so i have 20 clients um who i support for a period of 12 weeks um and i work from home um so 
and being a mental health charity, they're very up on your your well-being. Yeah. Um, but also because a lot of people now are working from home, you know, my manager has the kind of thing where she wants to see the output. So she said to me, don't ring me and tell me that you're, you know, you've got a doctor's appointment. Don't ring me and tell me that you're going to nip to the shops for milk. I'm not interested because otherwise she's going to be getting that from <clears throat> You know 20 yeah. different people mm. what she wants is to see the output Brilliant. um so she's very you know sometimes i'll just you know put a little message in teams and say you know i've i've, I've, I've finished my calls that i actually need to make i'm just gonna go for a nap for a couple of hours and then i'll do my admin in the evening and they're just like and i do that more from for my safety so they mm. know that i'm not off you mm. know so they know i'm okay but um yeah they don't when I say they don't care, they're not bothered about my working day um, as long as the work is being done. It's a, I think it's a really brilliant way of working for, from an employer's point of view. Yeah. Um, and and uh, from, from employment, you know, mental health issues in the, in the workplace, working from home and what that brings. I think mm. it's, a, it's a brilliant way of, because of, in reality, that's, what all, that's really what an employer is caring about. It should care about its staff right so that's a given but actually all it's caring about is the outputs mm-hmm. you work in a factory you, you care about how many widgets you made yeah yeah you work in yeah. a law firm yeah my mm-hmm. law firm they'd, they'd care about how many hours you recorded that's the same as widgets made for you yeah. okay you've got a number of calls to make have you made mm-hmm. them you got admin like that's your, your outputs and it's a it seems to me to be a plainly sensible way of of uh, of of assessing and monitoring staff yeah. And, and yet yeah. I, I know through the lockdown, um, you know, a number of people were very much against the whole idea of working from home um, mm. because it meant that they couldn't control their employees. They couldn't keep an eye on what they were doing and they weren't, you know, they weren't going to be working all day because everyone knows when you're working from home that, you know, that you're not spending nine hours at your desk, eight hours at your desk, you know, working and you're doing this, that and the other. And, um, and, and I know a number of people um, and you, you know exactly the type of boss that, uh, that we're talking about. It's, yeah, a, yeah. you know, they're normally a sort of a 55 year old upwards uh, white male that that's this, because that's what we used to do. I've never had work from home and therefore this is yeah. just how everybody should do it. And I'm going to come into the office uh, mm. And everyone else should come into the office as well, even though it's illegal um, mm. during lockdown. And yeah. um, and we're going to go down that. And it just is, seems to seems to me, at least, to be a massively short sighted uh, thing. And and I think the whole you know COVID working from home thing will hopefully improve uh, improve all of that and have employers like yours, which says <laughs> do what you want while you're working from home, um, yeah. as long as you do the outputs. The only um, the only asterisks on that. And um, is is this which you get now? You get people that um, I guess it's kind of like uh, almost kind of quasi self-employed. They're employees. You get to do what you do when you want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And the risk is that people are then in in managing that work-life balance, or, or what uh, I read once is called a, a work-life blend. In, in managing that, you end up working for a longer period of time during the day. So whereas you know, normally you'd work, you know, nine till five, 10 till four or something like that and have a discrete window of working pattern. Now people are waking up in the morning 
and maybe doing some work before the kids go to school and then and then taking the kids to school and then doing a little bit of work and then having a bit of time off and then like you said and then maybe picking some work up in the evening just because well I can and it's there and it needs doing um so with, with that kind of thing how how do you manage like avoiding doing too much and, and sort of burning out or is it just because you've you're only really doing like the two days a week I think you said um no I do four days a week sorry um, four days a week okay yeah um to be honest one of the things with burnout is not actually the physical doing it's the emotional um because I'm listening to people's trauma mm. so um I have clients who have um how can I put it low level mental health needs so with our service, you can refer yourself. So you might just be feeling a bit crap and you want to refer yourself. Right. But on the other end of the spectrum, I have people who have, you know, been diagnosed with um, serious mental health illnesses who also have borderline intelligence. So they don't understand things in the same way as other people who have financial issues, who have a history of sexual abuse in their family. Like there's two ends of the spectrum. Mm. And so when they're talking to me about those things, which are part of their lives, they talk to them about, you know, just like you would talk about anything. Um, I have to make sure that I'm taking the time to mentally restore myself. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes after a call, I'll just be like, oh, my, like I just have felt. And I think it's also the empath and the counsellor in me. I just mm. feel their energy. And sometimes I just have to go, you know, I'll message a friend and I'm like, do you want to walk into town and get a coffee? And I just, I just talk about, or sometimes I'll put something on TV like Frasier or Friends or something where it's just familiar, but it's an in. I don't have yeah. to think. Um, so the burnout side for me is not actually the admin side. It's more the emotional side. Mm. Um, and that also goes hand in hand with the, my studying that I'm doing. Because the studying that I'm doing, because I'm doing the diploma, it actually is less academic in a way than if you did a counselling degree. Um, but part of doing counselling studies, which I didn't know until I started, is that you're, you're your own case study. Right. So every week you have to write a learning review about what's been triggered for you, what your thoughts and feelings are. Why are you so bothered when that person in the class said that? Why can you not let go of that? Why did you cry randomly whenever someone started talking? So all of these different things, mm. you then have to go and self-reflect. And the reason you have to do that is so that when you are a qualified counsellor and you're sitting in a room with someone, you've literally worked on yourself as much as possible yeah. so that you can hold that space for them. So I, I think over the years have realised that no matter what job you do, no matter what your circumstances are, make time for for something that will restore you so it doesn't matter what it is and it's different for everyone um but make time for it you know sometimes I'll have like a middle of the day bath I love a middle of the day bath and I put something on tv and it's like it feels really like oh my god it's the middle of the day I shouldn't it's, uh, that's, it does sound like the most luxurious thing ever doesn't yeah. it? I don't yeah. know why that is but it sounds like <laughs> it does, what, that's it? an amazing idea yeah a middle of the day bath and it's like my little you know my little two hour my little two hour window and I've just switched off the heat is good for my physical health for my fibromyalgia you know so it's whatever it is for you find it 
and don't mm. compromise on it. That's the other thing, you know, don't say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you might be fine, but then you'll burn out. And the, the whole point is, is to keep yourself regularly restored so that burnout doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people do is they go until they're at the end and burnout is, you know, burnout can be using humor to avoid conversations or to deflect from certain situations um it can be where you're constantly angry and irritated it could be where you're constantly crying where you can't sleep so it does present itself in people in different ways and when you and you can actually spot it in people as well when you interact with them when they're burnt out sure yeah um yeah i don't actually know what your question was but anyway no, well, <laughs> about burnout, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's right, and I think one of the things I've I've tried to do over the last couple of years is is that sort of make time for for myself, realizing that you know there's 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 multiple benefits one's one's physical health and one's mental health, and and um, yeah. and just being able to have a kip during the day if I want. Yeah. One. Um, yeah. you know, I, I enjoy like, you know, doing some cooking or baking or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I'll sit on my piano and play that for a bit yeah. during the day. And, yeah. and what I've realized, and one of my, um, one of my key things now is, uh, is, is that, I think, I think what you're saying, which is take time for yourself. You know, mm. that's the most, that's important. Yeah. Mm. Job's important, you know, earning some yeah. money, that's important. The kids are important, but mm. without you, being around mm. it's 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 more difficult to do all of those yes, things exactly yeah. exactly and it, and it makes you better you know what you know whoever you're in a relationship with it makes you a better partner with that person it makes you a better parent it makes you a better friend um because you are you're healthy you're mentally and physically as healthy as you can be and I think when you when you start to let that go you know I know it I can see whenever I'm you know, I snap at the kids and it's yeah. not necessary and I get mm. irritated and I've done anything wrong. And I go, that's about me. That's not about them. That's yeah, yeah. about me. That's my yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. It's 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 an interesting it's, thing. It's I I've I've dropped since I was uh in my previous place, I've dropped certain types of, of work. Um mm. particularly disputes work. Right. Mm. So I used to do loads of litigation. I was always down in London in the high courts, um, suing, you know, big, big organizations, defending claims, this, that, and the other, multi millions of pounds, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and stepping away. And, 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 I, and I always thought, you know, I was fine with it. I've always kind of said to people, I don't really, I don't really get stressed. Right. Mm. But that's because I, I aligned stress with things like anxiety. And actually, mm. the truth was, stress is just there it's all around there's always stressful things happening and your body just deals with it in different ways mm -hmm. um and what i noticed is when i do um when i was when i was doing those more argumentative dispute driven stuff i'd you know tap out this you know brutal robust letter and then go and see the kids and I'd be snapping at them and I'd be cross-examining cross, cross them. Hang on, no, mm. you just said this. Mm. You, just, you just said that you were going to do that and now you've not. What's happened? Mm. Why are you not doing that? And, mm. um, and, you really, and I was like, hang on a minute, that's not me. And I don't want to be that person. Mm. But almost like the work and the hat that I wore to, to, to achieve that role in life. And it's like, well, that's not me. I don't want to be that don't mm. want to be that person so I've, I've i've literally stopped doing that type of work mm. just because i don't like the person that it was making me become mm. that's good self-awareness 
because I think that's the thing as well you know like when you know you were saying about before um you started recording you said about like success and you were saying about happiness and contentment and I genuinely believe after my reading and studying so far it, it it starts with a it starts with you because I just you know I don't believe in this thing that other people can make you happy I believe they can contribute to your happiness and they can enrich your lives but I believe that your happiness starts with yourself because if you're content with who you are it kind of has that like ripple effect it radiates out and to achieve true inner contentment of self you need to know yourself so for instance I know that I am um, physically and emotionally triggered in certain situations or when people say certain things but I've had to do the work to know that so that I can then go whereas beforehand I would just react and then it would all be about that other person. Well, they said this and they did this and their sure. attitude. And actually it's like, hmm, why am I so bothered by that? I need to go and reflect on that. I need to understand that. <clears throat> and you sit um, on it for, a, for a, a day or a week or longer yeah, because of yeah. what that person said, but it's actually what you heard. It's actually what you heard. Or it's actually, it's to do with a trauma. So it's to do mm. with how, what, you know, and the crux of it is it will go back to, Something. it sounds a bit, you know, sorry, sorry to offend any American, Americans, but, you know, like with the American, the Americans have kind of trivialized a little bit um, or sensationalized the whole inner child thing. But it's true. It's, it, it goes back to something that's happened most for most of us in our childhood. Mm. There was a really good the documentary with um, Joey Essex about grief. Um, so his mom killed herself when he was nine. And when he went to a psychiatrist, because he said he couldn't sustain adult relationships and he didn't understand why. Right. And the, psych- the crux of it was he had stopped at nine. He, he just stopped. So he was acting like a nine-year-old because it was safe there because that's when right. my mom was alive. And so he had to kind of make peace with the nine-year-old him to then be a 30-year-old that could sustain healthy adult relationships. Sure. Mm. We're, we're all like that. No one's different. Um, and then as we get older and, you know, there's, I've had traumas in my life. I've been in an abusive relationship. Um, a trigger warning to everyone, but abusive relationship. Um, yeah. Two sexual assaults. Um, the constant racism. Um, you know, living with someone who was severely mentally ill who then killed themselves. You have to keep doing the work. You have to go and self-reflect. You have to because, I th- and I think that's the only reason I'm here now, being able to talk to you, mm. you know, in a coherent way. <laughs> how, how do you balance that? So I, I, I've, I've written that down because I think that that is, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to look at, you know, what people's laws of success is, I think, I think that those two things, making time for yourself and self-awareness, are two mm. real key key issues uh, for it but the question that I've got so <clears throat> someone uh, someone triggers you someone is you know uh, does something racist or says something racist uh, to you let's say and um, and previously you would um, you would react and respond to that and now you know maybe maybe you still react but you're there's, there's some inward looking as well um, how do you do that? Because it's, it is their fault. 
it still it still was there. Well, it's still their honest, fault, wasn't it? To be honest, to be honest, the the, the issue of racism is probably slightly different. Right. Um, but you know, say uh, like for instance, my husband. We were having a conversation recently, and he didn't remember something that I told him the day before. Okay. I was so annoyed. Like, I mean, I was like. Mm. like not even just like a bit annoyed but it was like sure. really bothered me yeah, yeah I had to end the phone call I was like I'm so annoyed I can't speak I have to go and then afterwards I was like why were you so bothered it doesn't matter and I when I did the self-reflection and all of that a bit of journaling yeah it's because I it it harked back to a time when I was in a in a relationship where as a as a way of controlling me it was like I was made to feel like that what I said didn't matter, that I didn't mm-hmm. matter. And so I had an instinctual reaction. So it wasn't about him. It was about me. Yeah. And so I had to go back and say to him, look, I reacted and explained why. And I've said, so I just need to just go and do a bit more work on that. That, that you know, um, but previously I would have been, you know, in the trenches on my side, stubborn, you know, you're the one that forgot. So it's your problem, not ever looking and going, but why am I so bothered when it comes to the racist thing? Racists are wrong. So it's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. And you got to take a stand for it and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, but how, yeah. how do you, how do you deal with that then? Cause you, 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 you do encounter that and it does therefore will trigger you and get you mad yeah. and wild by it. How do you kind of balance still still balance that of kind of going I'm absolutely fuming because of what this person has said or done but you still need to kind of try and calm yourself down and and, and move on is that not, not um, move on as to kind of ignore it and and live I didn't didn't mean it like that I'm talking yeah, about you know in, in, in emotionally yourself I think um interestingly in level three of counseling um I had a I'm I'm the only I was the only white person it, oh my god that's a Freudian slip. I'll have to take that to therapy. Why did I say that? That's going to be pages in your in your journal this anyway. this week, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we've we've hit um, breakthrough. I was a revelation. The black person. I had a uh, a. It was very difficult for me to be in the class this year, um, and be the only black person, which I hadn't. Ex- you know, it never really consciously bothered me before. But my tutor, who was white, made a real conscious effort. Um, when George Floyd was murdered, she did a lot of self-reflection um, about her own white privilege mm. um, and white fragility. And she went through a process of a year of having to address that herself as a person, but also as a therapist. And she was very conscious that the curriculum for counsellors is very white. Sure. And a lot of the theories are based on white men. Mm. or white men have come up with them so she made a real conscious effort to bring in other references and one of our assignments on diversity was to read a section from white fragility and I was just like you've just thrown a little grenade there in the class haven't you and just gone and just let watch it anyway so I I don't I wouldn't say I had a breakdown I couldn't write anything for six or seven weeks I was Mm. so triggered by the fact that my experience my learning experience was so different to everybody else's and I felt so alone like Mm. I can't I felt so isolated in my learning um and 
I brought it to the class. So the whole thing with counseling is to is congruence. I brought it to yeah. the class and I, I sat in front of them and I told them, I said, I don't trust any of you. You're all, you're all white and I'm all black. I don't trust you. I don't trust you with my feelings. I don't trust you with my emotions. And it was kind of, it was a really emotional class. I ended up crying a lot. A couple of other people ended up crying. Um, but it was like a breakthrough moment. And my, my tutor said to me, to choose my battles so she said and choose how you fight them Mm -hmm. so she says for instance you're not the token black person however what you're doing in the class by being congruent means that these people who go on to qualify as counselors will be better for it yeah so instead of studying in a class where they're all white and they have not had the real life perspective of someone who and how difficult it is for them and what they go through Mm. It means that now they they will remember that experience for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. So and it will they, cha- change them exactly. massively and change the way in which they're exactly. dealing with, with 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 their clients. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the areas that I'm interested in is racial trauma, um, because I thought racial trauma had to be where you know you were just like beaten to a pulp because you weren't white, and it's not. It's the constant as as well as it's the constant mm. being told that you're you know you're not. I mean, if, if you take it, if you take it as a different subject, if someone told you every single day, every single day that you were ugly or told you every single day that you were, were um, stupid, you believe it. Yeah. So as a black person, you have to fight that. And that is exhausting. Mm. And you have to fight it in education. You have to fight it in work. You have to fight it in your social lives. And then when you're a parent, you have to fight it on behalf of your children because they don't know how to do that yet. So I think with the racism side of things, I know that it's not going to change in my lifetime. So there has to be an acceptance of it's not going to change in my lifetime. What can I do in my little bit of the world to make that tiny little change? Mm. And if everyone did that, then obviously there would be a big change. But all I can do is focus on what I, the little bit that I can do. I don't have the resources to be. Someone said to me, oh, why don't you become, why do you, why do you think about becoming an MP? And I went, what for? No. People say that to me as well. I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I'm yeah, not I'm all right in my own little bubble. But yeah, 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 I don't need to take on that. I don't need to take on that. But that's not for me. Someone no. else can do that. But, yeah. you know, from a from a day to day standpoint, it's you know, you've, you've still got to um, make sure you're teaching your kids uh, properly. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and if you can then impact your you know friends and family around you um, to start making changes. I know you have with me, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. seeing being friends on Facebook and mm-hmm. um, and 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 just makes me go, yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I need to learn about that. That's a subject where yeah. I have massive deficiencies in mm-hmm. in learning, and um, and so go away and learn it. And and I wish mm-hmm. I wish everybody did the same thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know people don't. Sadly, you know, just yeah. go and pick up a book, read some yeah. content online. It's like it's not too difficult to go mm-hmm. and start learning about um about why uh we're all racist and the whole situation the whole system and situation um is just has been racist since yeah it's uh it's not difficult to start learning about that and and i think i think the practical challenges well the challenge is practical sorry is how to um uh how to start addressing that in in you know life generally 
um, in in that because of my white privilege, I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not uh, typically interacting with a huge amount of uh, different uh, races and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think so as well, it's like the, you know, when you look at the, since I got married, my previous surname was George and now it's Atma. Mm. And I've been treated differently because my surname was it's like just crazy just isn't it yeah that just that just that tiny little thing and you're just like oh my god like it's not even a difficult nigerian sound like it's like an easy one um and and so it's you know and it's, it's also that thing that's a strange <laughs> comment to make as well it's an easy one um it's an easy one to pronounce but it's also the thing of like you know i might people might be angry when they hear me say this, but I don't have any sympathy for white people because mm. ignorance is not an excuse anymore. No, In, you know, you can go on Instagram and read a caption that takes you 30 seconds to read. Like you don't have to read a book. You don't have to watch long lectures. Mm. And so I think now I'm at the point where I don't have any go and, you know, type mm. into Instagram white fragility and see what posts come up and then do your own research. So yeah. Actually, that's a really good point, Caroline, isn't it? It'd be so before, even even sort of 20, 30 years ago, we could sit back and go, you know, well, you know, we we don't know, do we? Because, you know, it's, it's just how we've been brought up. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, actually, that is no longer an excuse because it takes you such little time to start learning yeah. about it. Yeah. It's really not yeah. difficult. No, yeah. no. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I suppose one of those things, like I call it like um like a layer of dust over everything. So over everything in my life, my blackness is like a layer that's over it. And um, you know, there was a point actually, and I think I have posted publicly about this where I was so down about racism and so deeply wounded by it that I was I remember having the thought going, I wish I wasn't black and then feel, mm. feeling so guilty and disgusted with myself that I'd said that because I was like, I'm proud of my heritage and my ancestry and my skin colour. Yeah. But I was so, I was, it took me a lot to kind of forgive myself for set, for thinking it um, because it just got too much. Mm. I was like, this is just too much, <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, I, I think you know, choosing your battles, um, and 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 so what's that thing? You know, like um, working smarter or fighting smarter. You know, you don't have to be there shouting and cursing at people. It, it's yeah. it's trying to do things in a different way. Yeah, yeah. You know? And 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 you know the internet and technology kind of helps that you don't have to be on you know the 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 front line of a march you know, no. in Trafalgar Square or wherever uh, mm -hmm. with a placard because mm. actually sharing a few social media posts and enlightening some people and engaging in some discussion probably will change more lives, practically. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. So, um, and actually I felt a lot calmer since understanding, Caroline, you don't, you don't have to be fighting all the time at every single injustice um because there is a weight of responsibility that i feel to like my ancestors sure. i feel like hold on a second i can't not say something here 
Yeah. Exactly, mm. exactly. But it's just getting a balance, really. Mm. It's getting a balance, making and sure that I'm it, it. Isn't it? Yeah, I can, I can, <clears throat> I can get that. Uh, particularly like online, I can, I can, I can see that because um, there's so many idiots online that you want to, you know, I, I, I came off Twitter, for instance. Um, this is mm. not, not aligned with what you go through at all. But, you know, there's so many idiots on Twitter that you'll say something and all of a sudden you're in an argument. And yes, yes, yes. and I've I found it difficult to back down because I'm like, well, you're mm. wrong, you're an idiot, and yeah. and they're going to carry on what the argument is, <clears throat> and that's really kind of petty stuff. And where it's something that actually is really crucial to to you in your life and your your family, and mm. I, I can imagine it is difficult to kind of just drop the keyboard, as it were, and walk off from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. You got to pick the battles, um, yeah. Caroline. Circling around them. So, what would you say is um, what, what would you say is like a definition of success for you? What would be, you might, you might be there already. You might not be there. You might, um, you know, what would you say is I know that I've, I'm a success because dot, dot, dot. I believe I'm a success. I'm a success because I'm committed to myself. And I believe that I don't believe that there is an end point to success. Um, I believe that in my definition of success, that I will always be learning and always understanding. There's always more to learn and understand about myself. And I believe that I'm the key to my happiness. So if I believe that I'm the key to my happiness and that my self-awareness is that, then to me, it's never ending. It's a consistent thing. So I, I you know, when I started my, my learning journey as, as a counsellor, I saw that as a commitment to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> it's not just something that professionally is required of me in terms of I will have to constantly do supervision, personal therapy um, as part of a professional thing. I personally am committed to it um, because I see the value in it and because it's understanding myself has changed me. And the thing is, it hasn't, people get so fixated on external stuff like yeah. you know i i'm on universal credit and i work 30 hours a week i work 30 hours a week um for minimum wage supporting people their mental health the, you know the money i get paid is ridiculous for what i do um so i have to have universal credit mm-hmm. and the but i just kind of go but i'm committed to myself so I'm happy and content with the support I'm giving people. Mm. I know that I'm going to achieve more. I mean, I think I always used to joke online about being the British Oprah one day that I have my own team, but why not? You know, maybe I will in, in 10 years time or 15 years time, I'll be able to, to, to share my experience and my learning on a, on a wider, more public platform. I don't know, but I'm committed to myself and wherever the opportunities come, that's where I'm going to go. That's that's what I believe my success is. I don't sure. believe it's something tangible like I've got this qualification or now I own a house or now I can go on a holiday or now I can own two cars. I don't believe that that's what it is for me. Mm. No, that's good. That's really good. Um, a a link, link to that then, is there a... Is there, it's, it's, there's no end point to success, but it's not externally... Um, uh monitored shall we say or impacted mm-hmm. it's, it, it's internal is there still a um a desire or need to 
for want of a better word, kind of improve yourself. But improving sounds like that's not quite the right word because it sounds like you're not happy with where you're at. <clears throat> Do you understand what I'm saying? It kind of yeah, continue to yeah. grow and evolve. Yeah. Yeah, still. because yeah, because the thing is, there'll there'll always be things that happen and I will question myself. I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Why did why did why did my heart start racing and I get all sweaty palms then? That's that's interesting. That's what happens uh, when you see me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you might feature in my learning journals. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know, you you come up also, as you know, life events happen. So something could happen in, in I mean, if someone had told me that I would be would have met and married someone from Nigeria. If someone had told me that four years ago, I'd laughed in their face. Mm-hmm. But even that experience in itself has caused me to really think about like who I am and it's prompted further learning and understanding. Um, so I just think it's something that, yes, um, I believe I'm enough as I am. I'm, an, I'm enough as I am. However, there's always more to learn and understand. And I find it exciting. I don't find it daunting or, you know, someone in class said, oh, my God, the learning never ends. How depressing. And then I immediately was like in my head, how interesting that she finds that depressing. <laughs> mm, yeah. I was like, wow. Why do you yeah, find yeah. the thought? Did you hear me? Perfect stuff. It, um, <laughs> yeah. it looks like the, the Internet has decided that we're about at the end <laughs> of this of this call because uh, my Internet seems to well, pause in you quite regularly at the minute. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to just wrap it up there. I've taken enough of your time. Um, so thanks very much for coming okay. on, Karen. I really appreciate sure. it. No problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take away the notes. So um, there's no end uh, there's no end point to success. I really like that. And the the key tips, or what I'm calling the laws of success, are making time for yourself, self awareness, that things start with you, and to choose your own battles. Yeah, and I think there's four great points there that uh, that everybody can uh, take away and contemplate and learn from. So thanks very much. No worries. Thank you. All right. Take care.